I'm smarter than the devil. I'm smarter than the devil. You are not smarter than me. I'll see you in hell yet, Homer Simpson. Yo, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Simpsons is Greater Than, the Simpsons podcast that you can't stop listening to. Is that true? I don't know. As always, I'm your host, Warren, also known to some of you as Bard of Darkness. Ooh. You may know me from my Simpsons collection on Instagram and Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not... You should really go check it out when you're done with this podcast. Now, this is episode 11, which means we are now two weeks into the double digits. And I just want to say thanks again for checking out this podcast and hanging out with me again this week. This interview is with Allie Gertz and Julia Prescott from the Round Springfield podcast. You might also know them from the Everything is Coming Up Simpsons podcast. And you might also know Julia's name as the credited writer on this upcoming Treehouse of Horror episode number 31. Now this episode of Treehouse was just pushed to the first week of November, but that's okay. Just know that some of our conversation was based on the idea that it would be out this past Sunday. But either way, I think you're going to enjoy this episode a lot, so let's get into it. Episode 11, let's go. Nice. <laughs> cool. Yeah, your setup is so bitchin'. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Thank you. It's it's, wild. Uh, it's it's great to see all just like the Simpsons color palette like just mashed together. Yeah, I'm sort of running out of room, which is like a pain in the ass, but I'm I might actually sell my arcade machine because it takes mm-hmm. up so much room. Oh my um, god, really? Well, I guess yeah. you could get a pretty penny for it. Yeah, I mean it's it's not in it's not in perfect condition. Like it definitely probably was in like a Chuck E. Cheese or something, but um, it works and I love it, but it takes up so much fucking room in here. It's like, so, so like, I, I'm just looking at it now, like this corner I could do so much with if it wasn't in here, but you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I bet that's, that's, that's choir talking, rearranging stuff, which Allie knows a couple things about. It's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. hard, but you know, we might as well go ahead and get started. And, uh, what I want to know is how are you guys? <laughs> I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) You can be honest. How are you really? Life sucks. I understand. (laughs) Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, when does this episode air? Um, It's actually going to go up Wednesday because Mm. I want to get it up close to Julia's episode. Well, I was just about to say, I'm I'm very uh, ecstatic just because Julia is going to be having a few people like being able to social distance, get together and watch her episode. And obviously when Julia wrote it, the world was still intact. Um, And we were, I'm sure Julia, you were picturing the premiere day going differently, but um, in the scheme of things and how, you know, difficult it is to kind of socialize these days. I'm very excited just in general to see Julia IRL, but also I'm so like fangirling and I'm very excited. So that'll be great. Uh, or in uh, past tense, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for 
answering a question about how you're doing and making it about me. Of course. <laughs> We're E.T. in the plant. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am doing terrible and it has nothing to do. No. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm similar. I, I'm glad that uh, I'm actually pulling the trigger to uh, see people IRL. I've been very, very cautious. My husband and I are both like, We've been told by our friends that we're the more hermity end of the spectrum mm, of people they know, which, which, yeah, which is a little surprising to me because as I'm being a hermit during COVID, I'm just like, motherfucker, aren't we all? Like, yeah. <laughs> if, this, if this, this isn't the time for nuance, like if this was the time to be all in, like, let's go all in. So um, I haven't really seen anybody, uh, you know, Ali and I, we've saw, seen each other very briefly from a distance, um, you know, I think earlier during this but um making the decision to you know watch it with a group in person in an area that i think is going to be really safe um, and social distance and masks and outside oh my gosh i'm gonna be double bagging i'm gonna be having a mask and a face shield (laughs) maybe gloves i don't know who knows i never know what's gonna go down so you want to be prepared (laughs) um but we're gonna be uh doing that at a restaurant in la that has like a a big outdoor patio kind of area so That'll be fun. And other than that, I'm just tired and busy all the time. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, that's amazing. I actually did a similar thing recently. A friend of mine is in a band that had a documentary come out. And they, you know, he did a very small get together, like rented out a theater, like a big old theater. Everyone sat really far apart. And uh, so that was like the first time we had done anything like that. Like I... You know, I've seen some friends that have been a little, you know, they've still been cautious, but less cautious than me and my wife. And so we've just sort of been like, hey, should we say something to them? You know, it's it's a difficult right. time, you know. Yeah. Um, it's so hard anything, not to pass judgment, too. And so I think I'm past the stage of passing judgment, actually. <laughs> I think I am, too. What sucks is that no one who's being irresponsible, um, not no one, but very few people who are being irresponsible are seeing any like symptoms and it's that's why it was very um, so nice that, when Trump finally did at least catch it momentarily just because it was like okay yeah. finally at least we have someone who's showing you like if you don't wear a mask something bad might happen I was just that doing was, this all day for like a week I know, me you know? too I have this um weird I won't call it a fantasy but maybe it is a fantasy but I have this like weird thought tick um i have a back office that's separate from our main house and that's uh where i usually am working all day and i have like this flash where every time i hear the back door open and close i think it's my husband mike running to tell me that trump is dead Uh (laughs) like i just get this flash where because it always feels it sounds urgent so i'm just like what could be the news (laughs) and so i just go to that place every time. So I don't know, maybe I'm doing my own little TikTok witch magic. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish if, if only, I mean, I think we could all agree on that. Well, um, you know, I I do want to talk about your episode, you know, congratulations on that. That's really, really fucking cool. Um, you know, what was that experience like for you? How did that, how did that come about? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was a freelancer on it, so it's a little different than being a staff writer. Um, but basically, and every TV show is different. Um, so for my situation, it was like, I originally submitted a packet to be considered, um, to be a writer. I didn't know that, you know, being a freelancer would be an option within that. And it all came about because I happened to have coffee with, um, an old boss of mine from FX. I used to intern over there in college. And so, 
Like she told me, cause she's on the Fox lot. She was like, Hey, do you know that they're looking for writers? And of course, you know, in doing the podcast for so many years, I immediately was like, I don't know. I don't ever want to, like, I just didn't want to cross that line in any way. And <laughs> I've been, uh, you know, lucky enough to be a writer professionally, um, for like 10 ish years. So I, ne- I, I, you know, knowing that going in, I didn't want to have that podcast, you know, I didn't want to have our podcast be this like way to kind of network in that. And I think honestly, like that speaks to some of the success of the podcast because Ali, I, I don't mean to speak for you, but I don't think either of us have ever used it for that or thought no, about never. that as like an end goal. Yeah. Mm-mm. So, um, I was having coffee with this woman and she told me, and, uh, I immediately demurred and she told me she was true to say that she was like, you're being an idiot. You should submit a packet. And then she offered to submit it. Um, it got over to Al Jean and he, uh, read what I had and, and, and liked it. And so then there was this back and forth of like, okay, I'd like you to do a freelance episode. And then he didn't tell me anything else in that email. So I was like, Oh no, like, do I have to binge all like 30 ish seasons? And then he told me it was like, <laughs> going to be the Halloween episode. So I was like, phew, I only have to binge 30 episodes. <laughs> um, and then it was just like a, a date was set for me to come in and break my story. And, um, I was told by Al to like brainstorm, uh, episode segments to come in and, and pitch it to the group. And as you know, probably the Simpsons is divided into two writers rooms. So there's sort of like the main writers room that's run by Matt Selman. And, you know, they seem to break the current stories that are going to, you know, go into the season. And then there's the rewrite room that Al usually uh, oversees. And so I was booked to work with Al for that day and, and break that, uh, episode. And yeah, uh, came in and I was breaking story with Simpsons writers that I've looked up to my entire life. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was unreal. It was wild. It, I'll, I'll say, like, the takeaways from the experience was: I mean, it's always nice to go to any studio lot. Like, it just makes you feel so classic Hollywood, and the Fox lot is way, you know, in there uh, in the pantheon of that. But then, like you know, it's you hanging out with other Simpsons writers. They're laughing at something that you created, which is dumb. Like it shouldn't be. <laughs> and then you're just constantly being asked if you want food. <laughs> the entire day. They get like offered me like three meals. Like I'm not even kidding. I was like, wow, I'm going home. It is seven. <laughs> um, wow. But yeah, it was, it was amazing. And then I don't know, that's sort of like the longish shortest short of it. I love it. I love it. You know, and so by the time everyone hears this, I'm sure they've seen it because this will be coming out just after. And uh, you should go tell Julia how much you loved it. It was really great. I got to see it early, so I've already seen it. And uh, I thought it was fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, that's not right. Yeah, that ain't right. Yeah. That ain't they didn't. Right, they, they didn't. They didn't tell people about that Paley panel enough, man, because that was one of the perks <laughs> they let you see it early. I was stoked on that. That's no. awesome. Yeah, I really wish that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Allie's not bitter at all. Um, <laughs> I I really wanted to uh, be a part of that. I think I I even got a, a virtual ticket for it. But I another funny thing that's happened recently. My alma mater asked me to teach an animation TV writing class. So it wow, took no place. way. Yeah, which feels like I won college, um, in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a conversation with my dad last night. I mentioned, oh, yeah, I'm teaching a college class. And he reacted weirdly to be like, oh, my God, you're going to make bank. He has no idea um, what <laughs> teachers <very> make. <laughs> it's very sweet. But um, it took place during that time, which I also found to be kind of fun and appropriate. Like, I'm teaching. It's beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, the the panel, I will say, you're going to be able to watch it. They're going to put it online, but it was pretty fucking cool because Matt <laughs> Groening was watching and he interrupted to like drop some knowledge in the middle of it. So, oh, that's oh, awesome. That that's was pretty. Nice. That was pretty wild. He was like, "Actually, can I interrupt? I have something to say about that." It was really cool. <laughs> um, well, you know, before we get too into everything, uh, for anyone that doesn't know about your podcast, which again is insane, because if you listen to this, chances are they know about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, for anyone who doesn't know, can you guys just sort of break it down, tell people about it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So our podcast is called Round Springfield, and it is a limited series where we talk exclusively to people who have worked on The Simpsons, um, voice actors, writers, you know, you know the deal. No animators. (laughs) 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 But yeah, so we talk to people uh, who have worked on The Simpsons about how they got there and how, you know, what other like the journey to becoming someone who got to work on the most amazing show of all time. Um, We talk about their depressing moments, their happy moments. We talk about feeling like an imposter, even when you're like, you know, the most successful person ever. It's, it's really fun. Especially for aspiring um, people in the industry. I think it's a really nice way to kind of get to learn about the process and then also to feel like, Hey, these guys are kind of normal. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, it's so, we should say that this is a spinoff from a previous Simpsons podcast that we hosted for three, four years, Allie. I don't know. I think even longer. I think time. it's been like five years. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's just say an even five, but it, that was called everything's coming up Simpsons. And we had guests on who were from a wide range of, you know, being writers, comedians, whatever, uh, what have you. Um, and some Simpsons people early on, and they would pick their favorite episode and we would dissect it. And, you know, naturally, uh, when you do that for five-ish years, um, you know, it just got to a point where we would have these people on, especially people that worked on The Simpsons, and we wanted to talk to them about, like, also working on Spin City or, like, all the failed pilots that they had or, like, all the other amazing things um, that they've done. And, you know, it's no surprise that people that work on The Simpsons are also, like, super talented and have other accomplishments um, that in no way measure up to how great The Simpsons is. (laughs) Like, they are second villain. Um, but we just wanted to do a spinoff, uh, and you know, we, it was like this great moment of our first show kind of reaching a natural endpoint, and, but us not wanting to stop the conversation and, and having this urge to, you know, take it down. Let's just say like a side street, it's, you know, a nice little, uh, pivot. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of people reach out that say, you know, it's, it starts as a Simpsons podcast, but it really ends as like a writing podcast, which, um, Allie and I being two writers, uh, makes me happy. Mm-hmm. No, that's really great. It's also it has a, a perfect description. Podcast. Oh, it is. <laughs> there you go. Well, anyone that's not familiar for some reason, like I said, go listen to that when this is done. I think you will not be disappointed. And, you know, since we're in October and we're having, you know, we're in Halloween vibe right now. Um, are you guys big fans of Halloween? Very yeah. much so. I have a shirt that says I'm horny for Halloween that I just got from Jonah Radio. <laughs> oh. I, I don't know why I'm looking over here like it's going to appear magically. Maybe it could be on. You never know. That'd be spooky. But I am horny for Halloween. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, Halloween is the best. How fitting that you would write a Treehouse episode. <laughs> <laughs> My spooky street cred is up. I should also say that since I wrote that episode, um, I've been able to write another Halloween episode of another animation show that I can't say what is. Oh, but how exciting. Wow. That's so cool. Let's just keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be known as the spooky bitch. Yeah. yeah that's what's up. 
that is, that is definitely what's up. Yeah. I, I will say, like, I, you know, to speak on the treehouse a little bit, I liked every segment a lot, but I could not believe the Toy Story parody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just looks insane. It is so, it looks insane and it's so dark. I did not expect it to be that dark. I'm not going to spoil it for Allie over here, but um, it's very dark. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to hear you say that. I mean, it's, I think, uh, our task to nail, like, the horror part of it. And there are so many moments in those early tree houses that were like, just like rattling to the bone, like images that I, I feel like still haunt me to a degree. Um, the one where Krusty is a clown without pity is just a doll coming to life is something that is still haunting to me. I was very scared of Chucky growing up. Um, so yeah, it's, it, I think, especially like in the later ones, it's hard to kind of find that balance and find the scary again. Cause I think, how much do you serve the comedy? How much do you serve the scary? So I'm happy to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Don't worry, Allie. I know you looked like you were a little worried about the spoiler, but I won't do it. I can't <laughs> be spoiled. Um, I did. I did get to be a part of the friend group, um, friends and family uh, that Julia brought for the table read, which is really cool. That was wow. very emotional. Um, I'm yeah. sure for Julia, especially, but uh, just as a friend to Julia, it was so cool to hear the actors saying Julia's words. It was amazing. So that was a very amazing uh, experience. So I, I have a, a, some idea of what's going into the show, but right. it'll be a, a whole different game to actually see it come to life. Yeah. 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 I, and you know, obviously I really love the line they drew in the sand for the, the upcoming election. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 That's, Which, that's a bold, that's a bold thing. And I love it. <laughs> well, I should also say that like when we were breaking the story that day in the room, uh, doing the math and figuring out that it would be the treehouse before the election was very exciting. Of course, the feeling in the room back then is very (laughs) different than the feeling right now. Like at the time, I feel like the vibe was like, Oh yeah. And it's going to be like such a dunk on Trump. And like, that's (laughs) the only thing we're going to have to worry about. Oh no! (laughs) And now it's like adding Lisa with a face mask and all this stuff. My joke has been that I knew that my life would change after I wrote a Simpsons, but I truly had no idea. (laughs) Right. So one thing I like to do on this podcast is I like to know your personal history with the show. So I want to know like how you got into it as a kid. Like what was that journey like for you then? Yeah. So um, I feel like as soon as I came out of the oven, we were watching the Simpsons. It was like an immediate, like, this is what this household watches. Um, to the point that I have a older sister um, who is extraordinarily like Lisa. Uh, and she was the first vegetarian I knew. And she was just super brainiac. Um, she was always doing her homework in her free time. And I was more of a slacker. But my dad would say like, Rebecca, stop doing homework. The Simpsons is on. And like, we just would all, I mean, that's the type of dad my dad was. So yeah, we all, we all watched it. TV dinners, um, every single episode uh, while we were all in the house together, at least quoted it constantly. When the DVDs came out, that was the best thing that existed. Like the best, especially to be able to listen to the commentary. And um, as a kid, I also loved any of the like the Bart Simpson books of like the different pranks and different things to do. I still remember one of them. <laughs> this will be more of a video um, uh, 
story than a audio story. But uh, I still remember like pranking people with how to fake break your nose where like you hold your nose and then you're actually like clicking your teeth to make it sound like you broke it. Um, and <laughs> oh thinking that was like the coolest thing, <laughs> but that's uh, so Bart. It's so Bart. Yeah. Um, on the show. We, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very much a mixture of the two uh, Simpsons uh, older kids. I guess I'm a little bit of Maggie. You could say I'm all three. Um, there you go. <laughs> But uh, a little bit of Maggie. A little bit of Maggie. Um, so yeah, gr- grew up loving The Simpsons, and then of course it was a very, very much a litmus test in terms of like meeting people and knowing that I would like so and so, and that's how Julia and I became friends. Is finding out that we both were obsessed with The Simpsons and that she had a amazing tattoo, which she can tell you about. But then we started doing our podcast, and then it has been an even bigger part of our life, and it has been tremendous. And through changing and and I don't mean to go on such a journey that takes us away from the question for no, Julia. Go answer, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> when um, we stopped doing the podcast format where we talk about each episode, I kind of stopped watching the show for a while. And I recently have been watching it on Disney Plus and it's pure joy. And I can't believe that I ever spent even a couple of months not watching old episodes and catching up on some of the newer ones. And like a life without Simpsons is just not a life for me. Yeah. I, I agree. I second that. Um, (laughs) To go back to your question and I'll be brief, but, um, no, don't be brief. Go ahead. Let me, let me have it. Take your time. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, I like Ali, uh, had, been watching the Simpsons since I came out of the oven pretty much. I mean, I, it's hard to tell. I feel like it was just always on. Uh, I'm as old as the Simpsons, but yeah, I, and I also like my parents divorced when I was really young, my parents divorced when I was four and I didn't connect the dots fully um, until somewhat recently that like, you know, so my lived with my mom, she raised my sister and I, and then my dad was a weekend dad. My dad was also a stand-up in the 80s and 90s, and so comedy was our bond. And um, whenever my sister would go over to his apartment on the weekends, it was this game of like, okay, what thing is my dad going to introduce us to? And so that's how we got really into Albert Brooks movies and Don Knotts movies and Mel Brooks and like, you know, all this other stuff, and especially Simpsons. And um, my dad, when I was really, really young, made... VHS tape of like a bunch of like best of episodes from seasons one and two. And, um, it, I wore it to the ground because I, I missed him during the week. Right. Oh. So, um, you know, having Simpsons be this treat that I bonded with like my funny dad over, you know, and hearing what he laughed at was, you know, a signal for me of like what was funny and that it was okay to laugh at the certain things to laugh at. And then like, you know, um, bonding over the jokes that, you know, we both understood and both liked. It just felt, it felt like a nice moment for us. Cause my dad also like, like a lot of other comics, he's hard to articulate. Like it's sometimes hard to have a conversation with him. That's like linear. Like he kind of comes <laughs> all over the place and, you know, he could talk about pop culture forever. Um, so it's, it's hard to find that way in, but like Simpsons was that way in to always sort of like connect with him. And then when Allie and I met and realized that we both had like 
the cool dad, dad, like Simpsons dad thing in common. I think that that was like a really big moment for our relationship and totally seeing each other. Yeah. And the fact that we are both like strong Lisa's mm-hmm. I'll say like strong Lisa's with Bart rising. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go into Maggie ascending. Maggie ascending. Well, Lisa, Lisa's my favorite character. So of course all, As she yeah. should be. I mean, come yeah. on, listen, um, I'm Ravenclaw. What are you, Allie? Uh, I'm a Gryffindor. Oh, all right. But I know. Okay. At least you're not main Hufflepuff character energy. <laughs> but anyway, back to Simpsons. Yeah, it, it was, um, yeah, something that we both realized on each other, realized that we should um, start a podcast. And it was, I think on the eve I was getting, I have a gummy Venus de Milo tattoo on my shoulder. Wow. Perfect. Um, <laughs> it never sees the light of day because I, I don't wear things that show it off i don't know um right. but it's my little secret and um, <laughs> it was something that uh i think it was about to get in and so we met at a comedy party ali and i and we we bonded over you know me making that decision and then you know her love of the simpsons and my love of the simpsons and um yeah what else can i say i don't know you're my sister and i love you and i'll take a bullet for you <laughs> are you saying that to me or to warren <laughs> well, um, I was looking at Warren, but I met you. Is that weird? Yeah. I'll take it. By the by, the end of this, maybe she'll say it to me too. I, you know, I, I always say, and I really like what both of you said. I think The Simpsons is one of those things that, like, you know, it's not only creative people that like it, but it's safe to assume that if you meet someone and they like The Simpsons, that you're yeah. probably going to get along with them a lot better. And that's just, that's been my experience and something that I've noticed a, a lot through life. So I think that's an interesting thing to think about. And it's not true of other shows that are great because you could meet someone who's obsessed with Rick and Morty and that could be great or awful. Like it right. could be, <laughs> could be or, really weird. Or King of the Hill. You just never know what you're going to get. Never know. You never know. <laughs> I will say, um, and this is something that Miss Allie Gertz has in spades, but I think that there's something particularly creative about Simpsons fans and how they use Simpsons references, especially totally. online. <laughs> I don't know if it's because like internet culture is just like reaching a moment where it's like stuff we grew up with, meaning the Simpsons, and now we're like utilizing it in new ways. But Allie's very good about finding <laughs> the absolute perfect Simpsons meme Aww. or gif. I think you were very quick on the weekend that we knew that Trump had COVID. You were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> boom, right there, like stupid Trump has COVID conga line. Oh, yes. I really hope that. Um, when I die, and I hope it's not for a while, but I hope that uh, people in my eulogy say, like, you know, she could always find the perfect Frankiac gift for any moment. I'm I'm running to Frankiac any chance I get. In fact, right before this meeting, I fired off my my tab tweet, which I'm very proud of, which is Homer saying, oh, I'm going to ask for a tab, and then it's the story about tab, and then it's just Homer waiting for tab at his computer. So I was, you know, oh, I was stoked good. about that. So I run to Frankiac any chance I can to make a... Me too. So good. <laughs> Sometimes you have to panic. I don't know why I ever delete a GIF from Frankiac, because I'm constantly like doing the same ones over and over, especially the one of, um, you know, Marge jumping in the air. Marge! Like, that's, <laughs> that's always a good one. And like, Principal Skinner going like this. So I did the little nose tap if people are listening. <laughs> yeah, there you go. She did the nose tap. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that's why I like having these conversations about The Simpsons because I like seeing like how it influenced people and how it clawed its way into their brain and how, you know, if you meet people that love The Simpsons, I feel like those become really close friendships. I mean, you look at 
you guys, you look at people like Bob and Henry, shout out to Talking Simpsons. Like these are people that met and realized that they had a bond because of Simpsons references and their fandom of the Simpsons. And I think that speaks to, you know, more than just it being a funny show. That's really like a special thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you could only talk about the Simpsons, you'd never run out of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I also feel like, you know, in my like working life, I'm the annoying person in every writer's room going Simpsons did it. Um, (laughs) But I think that also it has helped me as a writer, like, because they have done everything. So like, all you need to do is study the Simpsons in order to like, learn how to write. (laughs) They've done it all. (laughs) That's what I'll say. So that I don't have wasted my life. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Um, Well, do you, do you remember what your first memory of the Simpsons is or what is your first memory of the Simpsons? Because it was on in the household at such a young age, like Julia said, it kind of just was always on. It felt like, so my memories would not be of a certain episode. It would just be the idea of like kind of congregating in front of the TV because it's eight o'clock and the Simpsons is on. I -hmm. think, I think that would be a really strong memory of just like the Simpsons is on. And then I would have to say that the theme song started like sitting, you know, now we all skip theme songs on Netflix when we're binging. And like, (laughs) there's something so sacred about like going, uh, that, you know, it started on TV. And so we sound so old for such young people, but like, you know, like back in my day, like you would, um, whatever. It's our world too. Yeah. It's not their world. And it's not fair that, we're hated not only by everyone older than us, but Gen Z hates us too. Like that's so not fair. I love Gen Z people. I love Gen Z. <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, hearing those first few notes with the clouds, uh, you know, and the Simpsons logo, I I would say is very much an early memory. Yeah, I would say that definitely that for me. Also, going back to um, that VHS tape that I said my dad made. Um, particularly the like Marge bowling instructor episode was something that like, you know, bonding with my mom, of course, watched the Simpsons with us um, and had her jokes with it too, but it it was like leaning more my dad, but that particular episode, I remember my mom really, really loving that like brunch joke. So funny. (laughs) But you get a good meal. I, I don't know why that was just something that like she would repeat on and on throughout my childhood. And so that like matching with it being one of my early introductions of the Simpsons, I feel like that's like the first memory. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I, I I've told this on the podcast before, but I really do. I have like memories that I think are my first memories, but as you get older, you start to say like, am I really, am I like building this memory or is it a real memory? So yeah. I always think that I remember, you know, Bart hanging on the ceiling fan with grandpa's teeth. That's like the first really vivid thing. And I always say that, but I I still don't know if that's really the first thing I remember or not. Cause there's, you know, photos of me in 1990 and Bart pajamas opening like Ninja Turtle toys. So I really, who who knows what I actually watched first, but that's (laughs) the one that I really, I really think of. Um, so, you know, doing the podcast, you guys have spoken to a lot of amazing guests. Um, how has that impacted your appreciation of the show? I would say that, um, you know, so this journey of us getting to meet these heroes of ours started on the older podcast. Um, and it was 
kind of surreal. You know, Julia and I both being performers who've gotten to do shows with people that we love, comedians that we love, musicians that we love. We've been fortunate enough to um, kind of rub elbows with some people that are awesome and even date some of them. And so it's been like a cool world of like, you know, (laughs) that guy's cool. That guy's cool. I grew up watching you. And um, so I think that we were able to kind of approach these, you know, Simpsons superstars with a little bit of like, coolness a bit of like I'm not too starstruck on the outside but I'm dying on the inside um but in getting to know them for me at least um I won't speak for Julia but I bet you agree it has been really cool just to see that they're they have the same neuroses if not more they are just like you know normal people but extremely funny of course and it has just been kind of nice to think like well you know these guys are so funny guys and gals so funny um work so hard but also at the end of the day like this is their job and it's really cool to to learn some lessons that they bring to their work and it was a I was able to kind of like humanize them a little bit in a way that made me remember that they you know the Simpsons family is not real people even though it feels like it you know, Lisa seems very much like someone I could hang out with, but, you know, it's a team of people making her say and do these things I love so much. And it it made me kind of appreciate the show on a greater level of just like, wow, there was no script. And then there was a script. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I would definitely, I, I echo a lot of that. And I think that, you know, for me, and this is like part just like growing up and part just, you know, navigating my creative career and, you know, especially like working in entertainment, you are realizing like bit by bit that everywhere, it, there's no Mount Olympus where anything exists. Like it's just all like an office space in Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, these people are, are, are normal people. And this, uh, the podcast absolutely like opened that door. There are like vivid memories that I have. And this is partly because they were like early, early, early podcast guests, but like having Mike Scully on, you know, early on in in the podcast and like him talking about how in the first month of working on the show, he, you know, called his wife at his time at the time and was like, don't buy anything. I'm getting fired. I don't know if this is going to work out (laughs) to hear him say that and say it like so freely. I think it really helped open my eyes to like, a, you know, if you do feel like you are, you know, really intimidated and don't belong anywhere, especially on like the first day at a new job, which is intimidating, no matter what job you work, um, you know, that it could work out and that that's a very relatable feeling. And, and I'll never forget that um, our continued friendship with Josh Weinstein and like how much, you know, he's such a supporter of the show and how he embodies, you know, the example of someone who can maintain that fan like enthusiasm, that joy for what you do, that joy for what you've done and that I don't believe he will ever cross over into being cynical or jaded. Not thank at all. God. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's been something that's, that I carry with me all the time and think about all the time. And I feel like, you know, through the podcast, we've just met so many people over there who are just delightful and, you know, are kind of like father figures. <laughs> I feel like I've got like five dads over there. Like they're just all so nice and sweet and like, I, I feel like very genuine and, and that's really refreshing, especially in entertainment and, and how cutthroat it can be. Um, yeah, it's just been, you know, it's been interesting to like have 
your entire childhood and beyond like watching a show where you just know these names and you see them in the abstract as like these names on a screen and like, wow. And I remember, you know, my friends and I in high school, like talking about like, we categorize, we start categorizing like certain seasons of the show and being like, well, yeah, the Oakley Weinstein years and like this and that and this. And then to meet them and to have that human connection, like that's been the most, you know, surreal, amazing experience of my life. Yeah. I I can't think of a different show and I'm sure that it exists, but I can't think of a different um, group of writers and voice actors and what have you that are so cool with fandom. You know, I feel like there is a lot of uh, cynicism and people who are like too cool for school to be able to appreciate. And I'm sure a lot of it is self-loathing or just Mm -hmm. being, you know, feeling embarrassed, you know. Right. I really love, and I'm sure you've encountered this too on your show of just like how much they love to talk about it and how they yeah. all themselves are fans of the Simpsons. And it's just totally. really cool. I like, I would never be embarrassed to geek out with them about the Simpsons. Like at, if we ran into each other, whereas uh, for example, I'm friends uh, with, with people who I, so I've written a number of songs kind of about pop culture and, I've like, I wrote songs about the shows that they're on before we were friends. And now that we're friends, like I don't go around and talk about the show that they're on. I kind of keep (laughs) it to myself. You know what I mean? And not that they would like look down on me for being a fan. I'm sure that they appreciate it, but it's just not a part of our friendship. Whereas like with the Simpsons, it's just like, yeah, that will always be there. And I'm never, I never have to worry about turning that off. Yeah, totally. Well, when I, you know, I want to say, cause Julia was talking about Mike Scully. Um, I just want to say right here that I love Mike Scully and Mike, if you hear this, I have no problem with you knowing that I love you. Um, <laughs> our, our conversation was like one of the most fun, uh, conversations I've had with any human being on this earth. He's just Aww. absolutely amazing. And, um, I think that's another thing. Like, I really love what both of you said because, you know, I'm, I'm much newer into this podcast. I'm only 10 episodes in. I will say, unlike you guys, I do want to get famous. So anyone from the Simpsons, please, um, I would love to be famous. Um, How but no, <laughs> no idea, but I'm working on it. They'll probably um, put you in the show now that you've said write, that. Write a, write a hit song. Yeah, you probably will be. There you Damn, go. I should have played that game. <laughs> but, I want immortality. But just, you know, even only being like, I've, I've recorded maybe 15 episodes, only 10 are out so far. But these conversations, you know, people like Al Jean, Mike Scully, David Silverman, ha- just getting to pick their brain, but seeing how genuine yeah. You know, and I had, I had to thank them all. It's like, you know, this is a new thing for me. Like, I appreciate you guys, you guys taking the time. And, you know, they all were just so appreciative of, of just talking to people about the show. And I think that's, you know, like you both said, that's something that really speaks to the show and why it has lasted this long, because you have people like Mike that still work a day on the show that never really truly want to leave. Like there's like a, you know, yeah. like a, a brain trust of these people that have been there. I think that's part of why it's so great. That says a lot, you know, I mean, granted, The Simpsons is a unique operation. There is no other show that is like it. I mean, I guess you could like compare it to Family Guy or other shows that have been running, um, you know, for an extended period of time. But the fact that they're not fully out the door because they don't want to be, I, I think speaks volumes. Well, you know, both of you, like Ali mentioned, you you do a lot more than just podcasts. You know, you've both written you've written for television, you've, you know, done music, you've done all these different things. Um, what influence do you think a show like the Simpsons really had on you in that way creatively? Um, for me, I I think the biggest influence has just been on, and I'm 
I'm sure this is true of a lot of us, of just my personality in general. Like I learned comedic timing from The Simpsons. I learned how to reference things from The Simpsons. Like I, I really learned a lot about music comedy from The Simpsons because what The Simpsons does so well with their funny songs is that they are music first and then, you know, comedy second and that's you know because no matter who said it oh I actually I was watching this Final Tap uh, virtual reunion the other day and um, someone I think Harry Shear said like uh, Patton Oswalt was moderating it and he was talking about how amazing it is that the songs themselves um, are so good even though they're funny and Harry Shear said well there's nothing funny about bad music and I just thought that, <laughs> that was really great because it's so true it's the same with bad improv where it's just like it's painful to watch if it's bad but when it's good it's so good and so I I really took the cue from the Simpsons um, of, you know, it, it still needs to be a catchy and good song for it to matter that you came up with really good rhymes for Millhouse. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So um, I personally have written songs about the Simpsons and I think because of my song that I wrote, actually, that's how I got to meet a lot of the Simpsons writers that then would later get to come on, come on the show. Like I got to perform, um, and and that's where I met Mike Scully and met Al Jean and Matt Selman and Josh Weinstein. And I, I met a number of them there and I met some of them also at uh, what I, I hope Julia will talk more about, uh, which is the, um, the live trivia, which is so awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, I feel like, yeah. Echo everything that Ali said in, you know, Simpsons for me represents one of my favorite things ever. And something that I shoot for personally every time I, you know, start a project, write whatever, um, having something be so much better than it needs to be. Like, there's just no reason to half-ass it, to phone in, you know, oh, we've got like this story and we know we're going to hit these pop culture references and whatever. Like, I feel like Simpsons never, ever, ever does anything halfway. And maybe you'll talk to some Simpsons writers and they'll be like, oh, painstakingly, like, I don't like it. <laughs> Doing, you know, rewrites line by line, all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, it was like learning joke structure from John Swartzwelder, like watching the show enough and reading enough about the show to identify the different um, writers within that room, within, you know, whatever season, understanding like how to balance multiple stories in a way that doesn't feel heavy and feels like it's effortless. Um, you know, having everything be earned, not having any points that are hollow, um, you know, really getting that emotional moment that feels like, you know, we've had a balance of, you know, the joke bag element of the show and now we are you know slowly like landing the plane into a moment that feels real and doesn't shy away from themes that are you know a little bit edgy or doesn't shy away from themes that are um, a little bit sad you know there are moments in the Simpsons that are heartbreaking and um, I feel like you know another thing from the Simpsons that I, I try to do in my writing all the time is just the confidence of it and figuring out like exactly what kind of story that you want to tell and not winking to the audience. I did stand up for 10 years. And so I feel like that also informs how I write because, you know, I know, and Allie knows as a performer too, but I know as a performer that like, when you do that wink, it's, it's a way to kind of, again, do it half-assed and, you know, the audience can smell that. And I think especially when it comes to like a produced TV show that will live on for decades and decades and decades, like you just never want, 
to have something be, you know, halfway in, in a way that you're later going to be embarrassed by that, you know, you knew that you could do better. Speaking of uh, writers that we've talked to on the podcast, Josh Weinstein is still haunted by one joke that he didn't yeah. punch up. <laughs> in um, the Homer Palooza episode, he mentioned that um, Rover Hendrix joke is something that like keeps him up at night still. <laughs> and it's a fine joke. <laughs> Just a fine part. No, um, it's a fine joke. But like it, that to me, I, I relate to that so much as a writer. But, you know, I just feel like Simpsons is such a gold standard. and. It's, a, it's also nice to, like, be able to go to space with The Simpsons, to be able to have flourishes of absurdity, but have it not be completely off the rails. Like, it is just this perfect symphony of all these different elements. And, you know, everything that I've done, I feel like, traces back to The Simpsons. Oops. <laughs> all roads Whatever. lead to The Simpsons. All it's roads. True. I don't care. <laughs> well, I, I, love, I love hearing that about Josh, too. Because, I mean, even, even speaking to some animators, like, when I spoke to Wes Archer... He was like, I got to confess, whenever you talk about episodes, I just immediately go to something I, I didn't like about the way it yeah. turned out. He's like, you know, when in, in Rosebud, I really wanted Joey Ramone to kick higher. And I that's bothered me ever <laughs> since and all, all this sort of things. And I, I think, you know, that almost like obsession with it is why it was so great in the beginning. And it's why it's still good, because that's the kind of people that it attracts both in its viewership mm -hmm. and its staff. And I think that's yeah. really cool. And it'll never be perfect too. I mean, talk to anybody and ask them if they want to do another pass on their pilot or another, you know, polish on whatever, like it, it'll never be perfect. But I think that that speaks to like the integrity that they approach their work with, which is, you know, what makes um, the Simpsons so resonant. No, that's awesome. I totally agree. And I mean, you know, you can trace it to anything. Like I've been in bands and I've traveled and I've done things like that. And, I can listen back to recordings I did 10 years ago and be like, wow, this just sucks. No wonder this band <laughs> didn't make it, you know? So I, I totally, I, I think anything creative, if, uh, you know, if you don't question whether or not it's good, then it probably is really bad. Like if you're, yeah. if you're not self-conscious about it, then it, it was probably not that good in the first place. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm not to, not to poke holes at your point, but I, no, think, that there's a, I think there's a healthy balance to like knowing when to let go. Because I'm the kind of person that I will, I'm a perfectionist. And so I'll obsess over something sure. and I never want to get to a point where I never finish because I'm afraid of failure. But I think that there's, there's the healthy balance of like, trust your gut when you know that something is right and, you know, when to release it into the world and to kind of surrender and, and sort of ask the universe to have mercy on your ego and, and, you know, your soul when it comes to that bearing. No, that's well said. I'll, you know what? And I, I appreciate you poking a hole in my point. I'll take that. I like that. I, I will take I'm your expertise on that. I'm just rooting for you. I want, I want you to be famous. Thank you. No, I don't actually expect to get famous in this. You guys know better than that. Um, but maybe when you see well, me on the billboard, you'll be like, he said it. I don't know what he's famous for. But. Just beware. Fame is a prison. As we've seen from a star is born. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so Ali, you mentioned some of the songs that you've written and I know, you know, you wrote a song about Millhouse. Um, uh, why Millhouse? Um, Millhouse is such a wonderful character to me because yeah, you know, he's a nerd and he's a dork and he's kind of a loser, but you root for him and you really want good things from Millhouse, but he's just such a dork and it's so funny to watch and I love um I've always loved the relationship between Bart and Milhouse of course but the fact that 
Bart's dad uh, thinks that he's uh, a little wiener kid is is just really funny. And just the way that he kind of views Milhouse really makes me laugh. And of course, the the idea of like, well, of course, the best friend is uh, attracted to the sibling of the best friend. That always happens. Um, <laughs> and I just think that the fact that he likes Lisa makes me like him a lot. Um, of course, you know, because so many people don't get why Lisa's so cool. And I don't even know if Milhouse really gets why she's so great. I think it's just the proximity that makes her maybe, you know, crushworthy because that's how you are as a kid. But um, he's pathetic in the in the best way. And and I relate to him a lot. And it's funny because I, uh, you know, the, the song is, is tongue in cheek, but it's I'm very much playing it straight. And so, uh, as Julia said, there's there's no winking. It's very much like a sad song about a funny character. And so it was funny when I recorded it uh, with the producer of my album, uh, Adam Bush. He was listening to all my songs because I have songs about freaks and geeks. I have songs uh, or a song about uh, Steve Martin's The Jerk. I have all these different songs. And <laughs> a lot of the characters are about uh, or a lot of the songs are about characters who are kind of uh, underdogs, I guess. And Adam said, I just think it's so cool that you wrote an album uh, about all these characters that are like you. And I was just like, what are you talking about? And then I like kind of revisited my lyrics and I'm like, oh my God, he's right. And like, <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even think of myself in that way. And I didn't realize like that, of course I was writing in some level of a personal place. <laughs> I just thought at the time, like, oh no, I just love all these characters who are <laughs> these people who are nothing like me. Um, I love it. So yeah, there's some relatability there for sure. That just means you were writing from an authentic area and <laughs> your soul. Thanks. So you were doing it right. right but no, uh, yeah, the line, there's plenty of Millhouse to go around, um, is it, it just like really hits my soul. And, you know, I, I spent a long time like finding the perfect Millhouse lines and I still didn't get them all into the song. So it's <laughs> like, it'll, I might need to do a part you two. You got to do part two. Exactly yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, part, part two coming up. There's a really great Millhouse joke. In the new treehouse. So there's oh, another spoiler. Awesome. <laughs> in the Toy Story parody, there's a great one. I love that. It made me laugh. Um, <laughs> okay, so these are these are three that I ask every uh, non-direct show related guest. I'll, I'll go. I'll go with uh, Allie first. Uh, who is your favorite character and why? Um, well, I'm not going to say Lisa because. Um, I want Julia to get that if she chooses. Um, <laughs> we have uh, to make the distinction of family or non-family because it's very different. It is very different, but I'm going to... You, you can give me both. You can give me both okay. if you want. Um, well, I'm I'm still going to say that um, my... God, it's really hard because Marge is my favorite in so many ways. And so is Homer and so is Bart and so is Lisa, but not Maggie. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to say Frank Grimes is my favorite. No, I'm going to say Troy McClure is my favorite episode or my favorite character. <gasps> Troy oh, McClure. Yeah. Troy McClure is my favorite. Um, I know the second that he came on screen that it was going to be jokes. Um, so uh, and my favorite, I might be jumping to another question here, but my favorite episode, if I had to choose, is A Fish Called Selma. and so. That just says it all. He's you get to see the emotional side that you know. There's just so much there. So he's so my good. favorite. <laughs> I love so good. it. Are you gay? God, I <laughs> wish. <laughs> so good. Oh, so good. Um, for me, um, <laughs> I family. We're talking about family. Um, uh, the least. Uh, um, 
Um, you know, just, I feel, I feel her. And non-family, Allie knows this answer. It's Chief Wigga. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Troy McClure is like, I think probably tied actually, but I, you know, unfortunately because Phil Hartman's death and Troy not continuing on, I just feel like um, Chief Wiggum being a current presence. I also like just think about him all the time. And I just think he's, I don't know, every time he walks into a room, I know it's going to be a good time. All the jokes for him are so fun. And like, I don't know. I just love the balance of him sometimes being authoritative, but like most of the time, absolutely not. And the sweetness of him and Sarah and I don't know. I just, and I love Hank's voice for him. So I just get so excited. I can't believe that he's Ralph's dad. Isn't that weird? It is weird. (laughs) Like no, no fooling. I think that's so strange. Yeah. That is strange. I love, I love in the one future episode where Ralph actually has the blue hair too. Yeah. He (laughs) He looks looks just like it. Uh, You know, my, my answer for that recently, it's, it's always Lisa, but my, my recent answer when I've been asked on other podcasts is Lionel Hutz. I've been like, just, I've always loved Lionel, but recently, like, especially just watching Treehouse and, you know, him in Treehouse four has to be like the funniest. So Uh, good. Just, it's so fucking good. He has Um, the best, like one two punch lines like he just joke 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 jokes like constantly i what I mean, is a contract <laughs> Webster's defi- like it's just so perfect no money down <laughs> it's seven thirty in the morning yeah but i've been awake for three days <laughs> one one joke that my family and i all laughed really heartily at and mostly because we were members of this organization but i remember um when he babysits the kids and they rattle him awake <laughs> and he goes don't touch my stuff i was just <laughs> wait a minute we're not at the wine Why? MCA. <laughs> we all went to the YMCA, so I thought it was funny. That's Amazing. great. <laughs> yeah, I miss I miss him. I miss Phil Hartman every day. It's I really mean, sad. Um, the best. The best. Um, what is your favorite season, Julia? I'll start with you. Mm, it changes around, um, but well, that doesn't work. You have to give me a solid answer. That's it. <laughs> I know. Um, right now, I'm feeling the David Merkin season, uh, season five, staying alive. Um, you know, it's an argument that I think Simpsons Superhands have all the time about, like, when did the show shift into being more about diving into the backstory and emotional depths of the characters and, like, humanizing um, some of the more tertiary characters, things like that. I feel like Dave Merkin, and I know he's gone on record to say this a bunch, but I, I feel like he had that intent going in. And season five of any TV show, like, you feel like you're, you know, closing up shop, like you're landing the plane. <laughs> what else can be done? Um, <laughs> six seasons in a movie. Uh, but I, I feel like there's such a great balance of those episodes that gave us more information about beloved characters and, you know, human, humanize them in a way that like was really felt and, you know, really earned emotionally for the stories. But then you also have like super wacky episodes that are, you know, just iconic. So but it's hard because it's like all of them are great <laughs> so it changes with the seasons so next week you may ask me i'll be like oh seasons eight nine the oakley weinstein years i don't know <laughs> Allie, what about you um consistently my favorite episode my i mean mine changes too but i would say most often uh 
season six has has always had my very favorite episodes in it. Yeah, yeah, Mine and yeah. it. I feel like it's hit after hit after hit. Like, I mean, that's kind of just true of The Simpsons. But like every single solitary episode is classic. And like Julia said, like there's heart, and then there's absurdity, kind of jam packed in every episode. And it has yeah. Lisa's wedding in addition to Lemon of Joy. I know, I know, they're all good. Like that's the thing. It's like it just depends on what I've just watched. Totally. Well, it's funny. So the most common answers to this question are five and six. In fact, Henry and Bob had the exact same answers. Oh, how funny! Oh, funny! I mean, I I love four too. Like, and that's what Josh says is his favorite. He says it's hands down the best season of any show. Yeah, and four is great. You know, but he just he doesn't give himself enough credit. But yeah. Team six or team six. I am team six. Hey, uh, I, I I love six, but I mean, I think if, if I had to say, I think five through eight are mm-hmm. my favorite seasons of the Simpsons. The so like, years. yeah, any of those seasons you could say, and I've, I've made this joke before. I feel like more people would say seven if it wasn't season seven. Like who's mm-hmm. like, Ooh, season seven's my favorite. That's just an odd. <laughs> season. Right. Yeah. That's an odd number. It's a yeah. funny number. <laughs> It's also it's a time a, number. When it comes go. to joke structures, I feel like seven and twenty-seven are the funny numbers for some reason. <laughs> you're gonna think I'm crazy right now, but now you're gonna see it like the number twenty-three everywhere. You're gonna be like, <laughs> oh yeah, the joke the joke lines are always seven and twenty-seven. Whoa. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look out for that. I feel like I grew up seeing the number one oh eight a lot. That was like a mm. joke me and my friends have. I used to always see the number mm. one oh eight. So maybe you guys yeah. will start seeing one oh eight. I hope not. I'm scared. <laughs> Um, so Allie did give one answer, but if you guys had to name a favorite episode or a top three, do you have a top three? Oh my God. Well, since since I already said fish called summer, I'll say, um, I I think lemon of Troy is like wall to wall jokes. Um, every time I watch it, a new line makes me laugh. So I feel like it has to go up there. And then my third would, would be some Lisa episode. And I think it would be summer of four foot two. Um, because it's as funny as it is emotional. Um, but sometimes it's Mother Simpson and sometimes it's um, the way we was. Like yeah. it, it, and sometimes it's, um, I don't know. There's so many Lisa ones that like <laughs> Lisa or just emotional because obviously Mother Simpson isn't really Lisa. But uh, right. yeah, but, but, but Lemon of Troy and Fish Called Selma, Selma are always up there. And one more, I'm sorry. Fear of flying, I think, will rotate in the top three. So yeah. good. those are all great. great I gave ones. ten answers, which is not yeah, fair. It's fine. So. That's fine. I'm, no, I'm probably going to give twenty. I don't give a Hit shit. Hit me with twenty. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> um, I have I have a short list that I like to like reference every time. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that one in a while that I I just really like. I mean, Love and Troy is so good. Um, it's just one of the best episodes of like kids hanging out. Um, and I go to it a lot to like study it and, you know, try and figure out how they balance those, you know, an ensemble and that dynamic, um, itchy and scratchy and poochie show. Like anytime they go to making fun of like working in animation or making fun of working in Hollywood. Um, and for that measure, um, radioactive man, 
I think about Radioactive Man all the time. Every time I get like the fifth round of notes on something I've written, <laughs> I just think of Millhouse being like, but we did it. <laughs> it took seven hours, but we did it. It's done. Um, I'd be remiss in not mentioning Summer of Forfeit 2. Um, Hurricane Nettie is so great. So I mean, good. such a turn for that character in, in <laughs> such a way that I felt was like, this perfect balance of, you know, expanding his backstory. And I can't not think of um, Flanders's parents going like, we tried nothing and we're all out of ideas, especially as we are in this time. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Lisa substitute. We both love. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Uh, King size Homer is such a great episode. I think about it all the time, specifically the line. I just came uh, to see honk if you're horny in peace as like my <laughs> political standing. Not so much anymore, because now shit is real on politics. Um, uh, PTA disbands is so great. Um, home so sweet good. home diddly dum doodly is heartbreaking. Um, yes. Scenes from a class struggle in Springfield. I think about it all the time. Anytime that it's a Marge-centric episode, I think about. But just her in that Chanel dress, wow. So um, so it's good. great. But then, yeah, just seeing Cam Krusty is so great. Um, and something that I, like, I keep coming back to... And I feel like not enough people talk about this episode, but Boy Scouts in the Hood is so fucking funny. So good. It is wall-to-wall hit, jammer jam. I think yeah. that that's a Schwarzwelder. It's so yeah, good. And, and there's a kid named Warren in it. So. <laughs> there's a kid named Warren in it. Yeah. And of I course, um, Lisa on Ice. I mean, it's so heartbreaking. So good. Ah. Yeah. I own an animation cell from Lisa on Ice. It's one of my prized possessions. It is oh, so Oh, that's beautiful. so cool. It is, yeah. it is like the quintessential sibling dynamic episode. Yeah, it it's, and it's it's one of many that makes, you know, I haven't said this much on the podcast, but I'm an emotional guy and there's a lot of episodes of The Simpsons that that get to me emotionally and kind of choke me up. Uh, and Lisa Substitute is one of those. It, I'll just be sitting there watching it. And my, wife is like, my wife is like, again, Warren. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I think and Maggie Makes Three is another good oh. one for mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, 100%. definitely. My God. Well, um, so when, when I have other podcasters on, I really like to ask this towards the end. Um, what is a lesson, tip, trick, anything like that, that you wish you had known when you started podcasting? Mm. Well, ours is, is, uh, a show where there are two hosts. So I do think that that makes a huge difference because for us, I think we had to learn mic etiquette pretty early on in terms of like learning how to not talk over one another because, even if in real life you I know don't so do much it. about that and <laughs> <laughs> you open the door. <laughs> so yeah, I mean we've had to learn kind of the song and dance of the of the actual recording process, which is probably not what you're wanting the tips on, but um No, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> one of the things that was really helpful was was you know to to be really prepared and to have notes and questions ahead of time but to also not get hung up on the order and to be able to truly throw yourself into the conversation and to not get worried if you didn't get to ask that perfect question because what matters um is that you're having a really good time and that your guest is having fun. And so just being conscientious of kind of like their vibe and what's going on and making sure that, you know, everyone's, this is more behind the scenes stuff, but just making sure everyone's schedule is good, that everyone's happy and having a a comfortable time. Cause if they're having fun, they're more likely to dish 
hot gas, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, any interviewing situation. I hear a lot from journalists and like how they approach their subjects with just like, you want to, you know, like have you know, that connection with them, be professional, but you also want to like slither in there and get them comfortable so that they can spill the tea. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with everything that Ellie said. I think that, you know, that balance of like wanting to have that human conversation come out and not clipping it is mm -hmm. um, really key. I mean, it's dependent on the kind of style your podcast is. If it's more, you know, sort of like a magazine type of style where it's like different segments and maybe, you know, not different. Um, but I always loved the moments that were just like pure conversation, like friends hanging out. I felt like that was, you know, always when the podcast was most shining. Um, you know, other like more boring things, but just something to keep in mind. There were so many moments early on in podcasting where like time management wise, it was like such a close call. I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> we had Weird Al on the podcast um, early on and uh, he showed up at my house 10 minutes early and I like wasn't fully ready to like host <laughs> him. So I just like have this image burned in my brain of like us in my kitchen and like shooting the shit. And like, I, I had had like, you know, back pocket, like topics that I wanted to like bring up to icebreak, but like, I like ran out of them in two minutes. <laughs> and I had, uh, like I, we had a friend, uh, who was obsessed with Weird Al join us to like he he liked Weird Al so much that we as a favor were kind of like okay well you could run the soundboard that day um but then either I gave him the wrong time to come or he was late or something happened where um in addition to Al being early uh I like the sound person came like 20 minutes after he was supposed to. So it was like yeah. truly nerve wracking. It ended up being totally fine. Cause Al is like the nicest person on planet earth. Yeah. The one yeah. person that I know will never be canceled. Cause he's just like purely <laughs> good hearted. Um, Tom Hanks maybe. Tom Hanks. <laughs> all red. Yeah. All those guys. Uh, anyway. Such angels. But yeah. So, um, uh, one more piece of advice just in terms of podcasting is like um, like something I wish I had considered before Weird Al because that was kind of a shaky episode because we're such super fans and, you know, it's it's just a trip. And he's very polite and, um, you know, he I, I felt like he was was very politely waiting for us to always ask the next question. And I think that had it happened a little later on in our experience, we would have been able to kind of like get the ball rolling a little bit better, like maybe be a little bit more jokey up top and right. loosen up a little bit. Um, I have found that drinking on the podcast is not a bad idea <laughs> or, you know, doing whatever you need to do to kind of have a fun, casual thing, whether that's, you know, drinking something alcoholic or having some, you know, doing jumping jacks beforehand, whatever it is that gets you in your happy place <laughs> mm -hmm. that helps you, I think is a good way to do it. Yeah. And I think also like just letting the podcast over time, this is like, you know, when you've gone past 50 episodes maybe. And so you're getting into your groove, letting the podcast kind of tell you what it is, you know, to a certain degree, like you could start with a certain idea of how it's going to go, but like, just trust the way that the episodes flow into the conversations that they end up being and 
you know, listening to people who are giving you feedback on iTunes or on Twitter and like hearing what they have to say about, you know, what they like about the podcast. Some of my favorite podcasts are ones that start with one premise and end up in a very (laughs) different premise. That's not our podcast, but like, you know, for example, like Doughboys is not really about chain restaurants anymore. It's about like, you know, Weiger and Mitch's friendship or contentious (laughs) partnership (laughs) and, you know, those kind of things. Like I, I think that having that uh, awareness uh, is really key to finding success. No, those are, those are all awesome, awesome points. I'm, I made plenty of notes in my brain. Um, <laughs> you also you know, recorded it's, it's, this, so. Yeah, oh, that's oh, true. Yeah. I don't even have to do that. Yeah, thanks for it's reminding like me. It's God's note. <laughs> oh, it sounds like you have your tech, your tech side covered, but the number one advice I would give anyone is to make positive sure that you are recording and at least have one type of backup, especially if it's a huge guest, like if it's even just on your phone, because we had to re-record with Josh Weinstein um, twice. He had to do it twice on my Twin Peaks podcast, and then he had to do it twice on our podcast. And fortunately, he's an angel, but like, oh my God. Oh, oh my, my God. God. It's just Humiliating. so embarrassing. Yeah. And that, um, but that goes into like showing up on time too. Like you exactly. just want to make sure that you're not potentially getting close to embarrassing yourself. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I was, I was sorry to tell an alley before you joined Julia, but like, you know, my first few episodes, they sound okay, but I learned pretty quick. Like, Oh, if I do this, this sounds much better. And you get the separate tracks from zoom and that sounds much better. So I've definitely tried to like, you know, torture myself with each episode to get like more, you know, like listen to things that bother my ear and like think more about the listener. So I'm really trying to, uh, you know, make these sound good. And I, but I, all the advice is like really well taken. So I, okay. That. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, the internet will tell you if it sounds bad. Oh, true. Also, <laughs> uh, around whatever minute this is, I was cracking my knuckles. So feel free to either amplify or erase that sound. Mm. <laughs> I'm just going to leave like it, it in. <laughs> Turn it up. <laughs> no, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a cool thing to, uh, to, to take a stab at a, at a podcast is something that I never thought that I would do. And I'm, I'm used to people telling me how they feel because even just, you know, uh, I've had my Instagram about my collection for five years and, and that's really grown. And people will tell me all the time, like, you know, you'd be amazed at the things people find to complain about. They're like, you don't even tell us where you get this stuff. You're an asshole. You know, <laughs> it's like, well, I seek this stuff. I look really well, hard well, for it. Sorry. You know, I'm a collector, is, you know, this is a free thing I'm doing. You're not having to <laughs> purchase anything. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. So the internet, the internet is really, really rough, but you know, I I love, you know, to bring Mike Scully up again, I love talking to him about it because he was like, ah, you know, I don't really care. Like you can't please everybody. (laughs) Like he has such an amazing attitude about it that it's hard not to get inspired by that. Oh yeah. I mean, him and a lot of those other guys do too, which I think goes back to what you were saying earlier about like, you know, they don't, they're not insecure. They don't have to like be performative and, or sort of like posture around that, like they're big time. Like they don't need to prove anything to anybody in a way that isn't defensive. It's just like, eh, like, what are you going to do? You don't sign my checks. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel. Yeah, it's true. And I, you know, I actually, to to mention Twitter again, I I made this tweet about like, Hey, you know, you don't have to love the Simpsons. You don't have to, or you don't have to love every episode. You don't have to like, think everything is perfect that they did. You don't have to think that every decision was right, but I think it's still the greatest show ever or whatever. And it was, you know, all these, so many of the comments are people being like, well, I don't know about that because great shows. And it's just so hard not to respond to those people with like, Hey buddy, it wasn't an open question. Like I wasn't like asking <laughs> you to like refute what I'm saying, you know? Um, so I, yeah, the internet is, is just is what it is. You know what? To those people, I just like to say, you go out and make a fucking miracle. 
Yeah, exactly. Okay. Absolutely. I'll wait until your show's on me. <laughs> <For> <laughs> I don't want to open up that Pandora year. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, so one of the last things I like to talk about, because obviously I'm, you know, I'm a collector and that's why I started this podcast and why I started the Instagram, the Twitter and everything. Um, what are you guys' relationship with the merchandise? Like, did you have much as a kid? Did you keep any, do you like to buy the occasional Bart toy? Do you, do you care about that stuff? Uh, I see a lot of the toys that I own behind you. Um, the uh, interactive homes were absolutely my favorite thing and very much a early memory that I have. Um, I have a ton of them that are not on display because they're at my mom's house, but um, I, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, but I always just thought they were so cool because, you know, when you play with toys as a kid, like it doesn't really matter what the character is. You kind of just like will create these stories and backstories because they're your dolls, essentially. Like if, right. if there are any Barbie players here, you'll understand. But um, yeah, so I remember like making, I've said this on our own podcast, but like there was a Camp Krusty version of Bart where his hair is messy. He doesn't have a shirt on. He has like face paint. And he was dating the, cause it wasn't really Bart. You know what I mean? He was dating a different version of Lisa, like church Lisa. And it's not incest. <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. Like they're different. No, characters. it's like Greg, Brady and Marsha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, I, I had so much fun kind of creating, it was essentially fan fiction. Um, just cause you have all these characters and you're like, I'm going to write a Simpsons episode. Um, but only one of us is going to have to do that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, um, uh, and uh, I have a lot of Simpsons books. We wrote a Simpsons book, um, which we will plug shamelessly. 100 Things Simpsons Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. All right. You got it right. <laughs> it's a long so title. Proud. It is insane that I didn't know about that. What is wrong with me? Oh, really? Oh, what is wrong that's, with that's, you? No, I'm I don't know. I, I, wow, I'm too wrapped up in my do own Do you want collection. one? I've got a lot. I would love one. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Oh. You'll pay for it. I'm just <laughs> <I will. laughs> uh, Christmas, is, Christmas is coming. So if your listeners are looking to buy it, you can find it on Amazon um, or anywhere that you buy books. Although we probably can't go out into the real world anymore. So probably safest to buy it online. But anyway, yeah, um, I, I like toys and collectibles that are very like classy or kind of like secret like if you could like for a t-shirt i i like things that nod to the simpsons for my own wear and for my own but like when i see the stuff that you have in your house i just think like that's amazing i love that so much um but does it fit with my mid-century modern interior um so you know i i i very much pick and choose what i actually put up on the walls but i have a couple of things julia made me um a like yarn crocheted um like letter a felt, a yeah, felt yeah. yeah 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 oh, okay wow. thank you of uh you are lisa simpson so that wow. that's in my house and um a few other things like that where it's kind of like you don't have to be or you only would know what it is if it's uh if you're a diehard diehard simpsons fan mm-hmm. yeah i actually didn't have any simpsons toys growing up but I just didn't have toys growing up. Now, I don't mean to present myself as a Dickensian child. I know. (laughs) I know. I grew up in a household where, listen, I had like a strong single mom and a weekend dad. So my strong single mom forbade video games (gasps) and like all sorts of stuff. Um, My, and this is a very Lisa Simpson move, but like growing up, all of my allowance was spent on books. 
Um, and <laughs> books that I can only describe are the genre of magic bitch. They were like these <laughs> YA novels um, that it's always about a young girl who is magic for some reason, because <laughs> if she had, you know, autonomy in her own way and her abilities, and that would be no, no, no. But, um, but if it's thrust upon her, then by all means, anyway, um, <laughs> enough about my feminist soapbox. <laughs> Uh, but as an adult, I've definitely uh, come into a lot of Simpsons crap. Um, I'm not coming to you from my office, but we are, if we were in my office, you know, I have been co-hosting a Simpsons trivia show called Stonecutters LA. Plug. Um, we've done, uh, we've been doing it for like, God, six or seven years. It's crazy. Wow. And it started at Meltdown Comics, um, where they have a Meltdown, that show that was on Comedy Central with Jonah and Kumail. And uh, rest in peace, it's no longer a venue, uh, but then we moved it over to another, but now it's COVID, so it doesn't matter. We're on virtual. But um, I, through that, I think, have come through a lot of uh, Simpsons things. Um, I have a Stonecutters ring that uh, one of our Stonecutters members um, got access to a 3D printer and made for us. <laughs> so um, that's very fun. And uh, I have, you know, a bunch of t-shirts. I have the t-shirt of Marge that's all smeared. Um, you know, <laughs> that I would love to wear to the gym, uh, when gyms were open and freak all the, uh, Pilates women out, um, <laughs> ton of stuff, but yeah, it's, I feel like I'm making up for my childhood probably with just like having heaps upon heaps of Simpsons things. And I love it. I've also, you know, been fortunate to have like artist friends. Um, I used to do a, a secret Santa gift exchange where the only rule was that you had to make the gift with a bunch of other oh, artist yeah. friends. And Love I'm not that. really visually talented. Um, I mean, I do dabble in needlepoint and <laughs> other little, you know, sort of like arts and crafty things. Um, but I, I've been able to receive um, some amazing Simpsons art from friends. So I have that in my office as well. That's awesome. Uh, when uh, when I found out that Julia had proposed um, to her husband, oh, yeah. Mike, uh, I found on Etsy someone makes the cufflinks, the pig cufflinks, which yes. is really cool. And then, That's, yeah, we still have that in. Uh, we have a, a giant, like you know, chest or whatever. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, gotcha. But also houses our booze, so if that makes sure. <laughs> but we but we have the um, cufflinks. Oh, good. Really quickly, my dad had made for me a shirt that says, I survived Simi O'Toole getting trapped in a well. Uh, (laughs) That's so great. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So early, early into the um, Instagram, that's actually one thing I did is I would make a lot of the text shirts and i did and i did make that i actually just made the homer was right shirt also oh that's so uh, funny (laughs) and and i made i I made a listing for the homer as a dope shirt but it was only sold out the whole time that's oh that's good i um (laughs) when Allie and i went to simpsons take the bow at the hollywood bowl one of the best things ever i made with like felt paint um a down with homework shirt so good i think for our first live podcast show i wore it like yeah. we came out and I like was like, oh, it's my, hot. My, my sweater's chafing me. Yeah, it's so hot. And then, <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. I mean, you know, if you guys want to do a little trade for the book, I'll definitely send you both a Homer was right shirt. Oh, okay. sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah let's All do right. that. That would be awesome. Well, you know, so before we go, 
Uh, do you guys have any shout outs, plugs, any, any, I mean, plug the book again, plug, you know, everybody go watch the Treehouse. This, uh, well, you've already watched it, but watch it again. And, uh, you know, <laughs> tell again. me, tell me anything and that again you guys. And again and again and again. Again and again and again. <laughs> anything you guys want to shout out? Uh, well, I just want to make sure that everybody votes. Uh, yes. Please, Important. for the love of God. And Please. I'm not going to be one of those people that says, like, no matter who you vote for, vote for Biden, you assholes. <laughs> I don't 100%. like him. I don't like him either. We're all voting for him. OK, <laughs> Simpsons fans, we're voting for Biden because you don't want to you don't want to end up with a Kang situation. We're voting. OK, that's what's yeah. happening. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I didn't want him to be uh, this fucking like draconian and evil. I was a fan of The Apprentice. <laughs> I want him back in The Apprentice chair, okay? <laughs> I want him out of there. Anyway, um, yeah, go vote. I second that. Um, you know, uh, if you like Simpsons trivia that doesn't have any prizes because we haven't figured out how to do that virtually, <laughs> but if you came to in-person, we would have first, um, go to Stonecutters LA. We have a Twitch channel, so that's twitch.tv slash Stonecutters LA. Yeah. Um, no fancy, like, underscores or anything, just Stonecutters LA. And come and have fun with us and listen to Round Springfield on Maximum Fun. Yep, and that book again is One Hundred Things Simpsons fans should know and do before they die. It makes an excellent Christmas gift. I was gonna say buy it for your Simpsons obsessed cousin, brother, sister, mother. You don't even have to read it; you could just own it. There you go. It probably looks nice on the shelf. There you go. Doorstop. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. (laughs) And then you can follow me um, on all the things at Allie Gertz. I'm at Julia Prescott on all the things. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, it was awesome to hang out, talk about the Simpsons with you. So much fun. Your podcast is great, Julia. Your Treehouse episode is great. And again, I'm going to say it. When you guys watch that episode, go tell Julia how good it is on Twitter. (laughs) Because if you don't, I'm going to be pissed off. And go listen to Allie's songs because they're awesome and they're very funny. And then go tell Allie how funny your songs are. Can you do that for me, please? Thanks, guys. Ellie has a great Rick and Morty album. Ellie has a great dog album. Did it come I out? I do have a I do have an album about dogs. That is true. Good. And um, one of the songs is about Santa's little helper. <gasps> so check that out. I know him. Uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Santos Al Helper. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having us, Warren. No, awesome. It was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, guys. this is great. If you enjoyed this podcast. Check out the official Instagram at Simpsons is greater than, or follow me on Twitter at Simpsons is great. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bart of Darkness on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for checking this out. I'll see you next week.